Welcome to My Journey, the podcast for individuals who are seeking to write their own stories while creating a more healthy life along the way. My name is Brian Pickowitz. This is My Journey. And now it's time to start yours. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to My Journey. I am your host, Brian Pickowitz, and I want to welcome you all to episode number 40 of our show. And so in today's episode, I am excited and grateful to share with you all the sleep expert who focuses on helping women heal themselves and solve the insomnia puzzle, my friend, Tina Kufaro. And so on this episode, I was really excited to dive into some different aspects when it comes to sleep because sleep is, sleep is often neglected as a form of self-care. Like when we think of self-care, when we think of health, it's really easy to put the nutrition, the training, the meditation, the things that are going to be implemented during the day, but we don't really address the things that happen at night. No one talks about sleep. And I think that sleep is something that so many people are, are willing to give away in the hopes that they will accomplish more throughout the day. And there's a fine line, I think, that is worth, and we kind of dive into this at the beginning of the podcast, that it's worth like having some days where you don't sleep as much, or there's some days you're going to catch up on sleep or whatever. But really, if, if you are trying to be your optimal self, which is really, uh, I think, a big piece of what this podcast is about, is living a better life and being able to function as a better you, then you need to get sleep and neglecting your sleep is only going to diminish the return that you have on your success. And so in this episode, we really dive into Tina's own personal challenges when it came to sleep. So she came from a position where she was working in the family business. She was in a stressful environment and she talks about her insomnia patterns of sleeping three to four hours a night and how she was over able to overcome that. It, it actually ended up taking almost a year. And so a lot of the different practices that she uses with her clients are the practices that she shares here in this podcast, but also things that she had to walk herself through. And one of the things that we really touched upon here too is some practices for you to implement if you struggle with sleep. I know that for me, I used to work, I worked three jobs when I was in school. When I was in college, I would get out of one of the jobs at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, and I would have to be in bed by 10.30 because I had football practice that started at five. And so I needed to be able to get six hours of sleep. And it would stress me out. Like it would stress me out so much if I wasn't in bed in time and it would almost become toxic. And then sometimes I wouldn't sleep because I'd be stressing about how much sleep I had. And Tina and I kind of dive into those scenarios of like what you can actually do if that's you. If you're someone who is struggling to fall asleep at night, what can you do? What are some helpful, practical instances that you can put into your behavioral pattern to shift what you're doing and make it so you can sleep more effectively. And we also talk about just the importance of sleep. And I know that, that sounds granola. That sounds basic. That sounds like something that you, you might not think of, but there's so many things that are tied to our health and are tied to our sleep. And one of the things we really talked about is weight loss. Like weight loss, if you're not sleeping, is going to be harder. It's going to tax your adrenal system. It's going to tax your immune system. Like there's so many things that sleep 
is going to be able to improve in your life. And if you make it more of a focal point, like Tina talks about here, and you really are able to lead into that as a form of self-care, then you will thrive. And so you can find Tina at tinacufaro.com. And so her name is spelled, her last name, so Tina is the normal spelling, and then Kufaro is C-U-F-A-R-O. And you can find her on Instagram with that same name too. But before we dive in, I just want to thank you all for tuning in. We've been, like I said, Previously, we've been having some really steady engagement on the podcast, and I'm really excited to continue to share these episodes with you all and just build this community into something bigger and better. But lastly, before we dive into the podcast, if you love these episodes, if you're finding value from them, please leave us a review on iTunes. It's as simple as clicking on the My Journey episode link. You can scroll all the way down, leave us five stars, and leave us a review. Let us know what you love. Let us know what you're gaining value from. Let us know what you want us to continue to talk about. And it just gives us uh, a good sense of where we're leaning towards and what's the most effective thing. Like, do you want to hear more about nutrition? Do you want to hear more about training? Um, do you like the episodes that Lindsay and I do? Like, what is going to be the most helpful way for us to support you as you're going forward? And lastly, before I dive in, Add yourself to the Revitalized Body and Rejuvenated Mind group on Facebook. That is the Facebook group that Lindsay and I are really leaning into right now. And that is going to be our home for helping you revitalize your journey. So right now I am focused on getting ready for a photo shoot. Um, I'm motivated and inspired to get back to a really great place with my physical fitness. And there's some other personal goals that I'm leaning into achieving in this time. And I'm really inspired to help people revitalize their life. When I look at my clients, people I'm working with right now are leaders who are looking to revitalize their life. They're looking for more, leaning into that factor of them. And we're looking to build a community around that. So if this sounds exciting to you, I'd love to have you join and be a part of what we're building. So check it out, the Revitalized Body and Rejuvenated Mind group on Facebook. And without further ado, here's Tina Cafaro. Tina Cafaro, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so grateful that we can make this happen. I think that this episode is going to be something really unique for so many people who are listening. I think that it's very easy to neglect our sleep. It's very easy to neglect sleep as a form of self-care and self-love. But before we dive in, I want to know, how did you sleep last night? I have to be honest, I did not sleep well last night, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, and that was only because uh, I've had some house guests recently. Mm. I have, I'm uh, dog sitting and so uh, one of the dogs, um, is he's a little bit restless, so he mm. roaming around, so he kept me up. Otherwise, I, I, I've dialed into um, how to sleep well and I have a whole story that we'll share in a minute about that. Mm. So, um, yeah. So, so a little bit less, uh, less sleep than the previous nights. Yeah, yeah. The quality wasn't wasn't quite there as usually, and that and it happens, right? That it's like it's not perfect. Things happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Allow for allow for these things, but if well, you're you're on your game, right? Mm -hmm. the majority of the time, that's not going to, in the grand scheme of things, hurt hurt your health too much. Mm -hmm. right? so. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating too because you can go the other way too, and that's where I'm at right now. Um, 
So I'm battling a, a cold and I was pretty sick Monday through Wednesday. And usually I, I, I like to sleep about six and a half to seven hours a night. Um, it's like, I, I do find that I'm comfortable there and I do find that I feel good. Um, now maybe you can point me in another direction. Um, but, um, I have this really good pattern that I'm in, of like, you know, waking up at like four fifteen in the morning and making sure that I go to bed at like nine. But, um, you know, I like to get after it in the morning, like go to the gym, work out. And I didn't work out at all this week. Um, even today I, I was like, you know what? I, I woke up in the middle of the night, had a really bad coughing um, bout. And I was like, I'm just going to sleep another three hours because yeah. it's not worth trying to go and exercise or trying to do the, the normal routine of things. So I think that it's a balance, right? It's there's times where you might not get as much sleep. But there's times where you're going to need more. And I think that as long as you still have the patterns, that's what matters. Yeah. And, and I have a question for you actually, because you mentioned you go to bed at nine o'clock. Mm. How bright is it there at nine o'clock? In Dallas, it's, 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 it's dark enough. It's dark enough that I can like start to unwind. Okay. Um, it, the sun goes down around like eight forty, So okay. Yeah, it's, it's getting like that here now. I mean, it was still quite bright at one point at night, like 9.30. But, mm. um, so it's still, so it's not, when is it, when, I know you're not up late, maybe you're not up late enough anymore to know, <laughs> but when, when is this, is the sun down? Like, do you know when it's actually dark? Yeah, I would say, you can check that out. I would say like 9.30. Nine, yeah, 9.30, okay. Okay, so then are you actually going to bed? Like, are you lights out, in bed? Under the covers, nine by nine thirty. Yeah, or I would say that's. I would say what I, I my sleeping pattern is nine o'clock. I, I like, I'm unwinding. So from eight thirty to nine is usually like Lindsay and I will eat dinner, or eight o'clock to nine I'll eat dinner and we'll talk. Maybe we'll watch like uh, like episode of The Office, and um, then from nine to nine thirty it's kind of like brushing my teeth, um, journaling, reading. <clears throat> I have a reading about mindfulness that I'm, I'm diving into. So I, I try to read either autobiographies or something peaceful at night. I don't read business books. I don't read like marketing books. That's not helpful. Um, and then I would say by 930 lights are out. If, and, and this is what I like about my, that's why I like to wake up at 415. Um, so if I fall asleep at 930, I get, six hours and 45 minutes of sleep. Um, I feel, I, I personally feel comfortable there. I actually find that I'm more groggy if I get seven and a half. Like yeah. if I'm in that, in that period, I get a little, I feel a little more groggy. Um, but what um, I like about waking up so early is that if I want to sleep in, I can sleep until five and I still am up at five o'clock in the morning. So I, I kind of play with it a little bit. Like it might be 1030 if like we are out late with like friends or if there's something going on that requires me to stay up a little later, but I kind of use that as like a nine o'clock I'm getting ready for sleep. Right. So, okay. So we're going to go down a little path here. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see uh, what, what's going on for you. Yeah. So what I was thinking, I mean, I've heard everything you said. So you said, if you start to get, uh, seven, seven and a half hours, uh, you start to feel a little bit groggy. I'd be interested in, do you have anything to track your sleep? First, first, my first question. 
No, I don't. Um, I don't really. Okay. I'd be, I'd be curious to know what your, what your sleep patterns are. I have, a, I have one of the Uru rings, which, I, mm. which I've been using since the fall. And uh, I, I, I can get a little, you can get a little bit obsessive. There, there's that, you have to be careful with that kind of information, just like a scale, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a tool, it can be helpful, it's information. But when we get a little too focused on the numbers and we stop paying attention to really how we're, we're feeling, it sounds like you're pretty dialed into how you feel, you know, um, we lose sight of the bigger picture, I think, mm. because we can't just rely on these external things all the time to tell us what we should be doing. We need to take a moment, take a breath and listen to what's going on inside because that's what's mo most important at the end of the day, right? I mean, all the gurus, all the, all the gadgets, at the end of the day, if we didn't have all of those things, we'd have to rely on ourselves, right? And we did at one point. I mean, we like we had the sun. We were set, you know, for a certain certain time. We went to bed. We would rise just with the natural cycle of the seasons and the day. And you know, that's a part of who we are. Our twenty four hour biological clock, right? So with you, um, what I recommend to clients in general is uh, the the each sleep cycle is about ninety minutes ish. Mm. And so you kind of work backwards from there. So if you wanted to get up at 4, 4.15, then in 90-minute increments, and you know you wanted to get a certain amount of sleep, so you'd want to do six hours or seven and a half hours. You know, do you see where I'm, where I'm going with that? So you'd work yeah. backwards from there. So you're not waking up or your alarm isn't going off when you're in deep sleep. Mm. What will happen there is you'll wake up feeling groggy or it'll take a little while for you to shake the cobwebs out of your head because you're waking up at a wrong part of your sleep cycle. You want to ultimately be awake, um, be woken, um, naturally with the light if possible, or during a, during a, a light sleep, the light stage of sleep, in the sleep cycle. So give that, see, take a look at that. I'd be curious to know if, um, do you just wake up naturally? Do you just wake up 4.15 now or? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I have been waking up naturally now. Um, and, and I have an alarm set still, but I find that I wake up, I usually wake up around like the 4.15, 4.30. Like yeah. my body, my body's pretty in rhythm. Um, it's also been interesting because I've also been waking up, like it's, it's fascinating off of that. Like I've been waking up around 12 to 12.30 every night and going to the bathroom, but I feel really uh, awake. Like, and not like in the awake sense that I would be like, you know, ready to go and start the day, but not like half awake. So it, it must, I know that that must be me coming out of a cycle, um, out of REM sleep around that 12 o'clock, 1130, whatever that actual time amount is because I'm hitting that two, two and a half hour mark. Okay. And then my body's kind of coming up from there. So, uh, and you're feeling pretty, you're pre feeling pretty alert. You yeah. Were? Yeah. Interesting. So, and you said you eat between eight and nine. You have dinner at between Yeah. Nine. Yeah. I usually do. Okay. There might be something, something with that, especially if you're having fluids. I don't know how many, how much fluids mm. you have for dinner, what you're eating for dinner that might have a lot of fluid in it. Um, it's something to think about, like eating late and you, probably already know it's eating late, very close to bedtime. Um, mm -hmm. It's generally a no-no for my clients because it, what, what happens is your body ends up shuttling its energy to 
digesting as opposed to your sleep hormones. Uh, yeah, so that's what ends up happening with people who are having trouble sleeping. That, that's it's just what's one of the behavioral um, modifications that you know we, we talk about, we work on, and, and it can be it can be difficult because of schedules and. But there are ways, you know, there are ways around that, but. I'd be curious. I'd be curious to know. I'd love to talk to you more about all of that. Really. Yeah, we'll have to. I mean, this is I, so. This is the first time I've ever been interviewed on my podcast. Um, but I, th I, I think so. For anyone listening, I think that that's like that's a really telling sign. Of, first off, like how much you are giving to the people that you're working with, but also how much you actually know. And and what I would also say is like everything in that little bit right there is something that someone can tangibly use for their own life too, because you might, you might not be waking up at 4.15, but whatever time you're waking up at, there's a distinct pattern and a distinct rhythm to your body that you can get into. And we can dive into all these different things, but I know that so many people are challenged with sleep. And that's why I really want to have you on the podcast because so many people like they, they think like, Oh, it's diet exercise. It's just going to make me healthy. And obviously there's, excuse me, there's this mindfulness component too, but it's also caring about how we treat ourselves when we need sleep. So I'm curious, what do you think makes it so that people don't prioritize their sleep as much as they should do? So there, there are a number of different reasons. I mean, there are, it's work schedules. You know, people who are in shift work, they just haven't the um, ability to, make sleep a priority, sleep at the same time every night, because ideally that's what we want to be doing. We want to be going to bed when it's dark, waking up with the light, um, people with shift work, obviously that's not possible. You can, I mean, there are behavioral things that you can do to help as, as best you can, like having a very dark room, making sure there's a cool temperature, um, being undisturbed, um, you know, but it's, it, it's a constant shift, right? Back and forth between being awake during the day, being asleep, being asleep during the day. Um, and another reason is, um, you know, we've come to somehow award this badge of honor to those who work, 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 and get the least amount of sleep in order to achieve a goal or X or whatever it happens to be, there seems to be a lot of emphasis on the doing of the things than there is of the self-care. And that's, I mean, we and I are in a space where, um, you know, we're surrounded by a lot of people who um, understand what, it, what the value is in making sure that you, you take proper care of yourself, of your health, your mind, your body, you know, as a holistic human being. But society as a whole still, I feel, has a, they have a long way to go. We really, um, we really put emphasis on goal-oriented mm -hmm. tasks. But when it comes to work and um, material value, um, unfortunately, like I, I don't, you know, it's not a, it's not a judgment. It's just, it's just through clients. You know, when I talk to clients, they say, no, I can't because I, you know, I've got, I've got this to do and I've got that to do, and it's, it's not sleep is just not the priority. And the other, and the other part is, um, people are like, ah, I'll, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like that's, that's the, that's the question. That's the, that's the statement that people say. Uh, and like, no, 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 no. Death will come a lot sooner if you're not yeah. sleeping properly. <laughs> In fact, so you should really watch what you're saying. And, um, but that's, 
it's, it's just not like self-care in general, which sleep is, um, it's just not, it's not prioritized because there's no, no one sees the value in it. And then, and, and no one really understands, um, the importance of it in overall health, um, whether it's your brain, your heart, um, it's, it's, oh God, it, I can't emphasize how important it is. Like you're just your overall spiritual, mental and physical well-being uh, is really connected to how well you sleep because there's so much that's going on when we're, when we're asleep at night. Mm. And so what was your personal challenge when it came to getting aligned with your sleep patterns? I know that there were some things in your past that really were challenges when it comes to sleep so like what what was that like for you and what kind of gave you this direction um so for me i had a, a lot of stress personal stress and anxiety in in my life so that started to manifest manifest itself uh, with sleep, as sleep issues and if you had asked me before at that time the 30 you know six year old tina 30, 37 year old tina uh if she felt stress she would have said no. Mm. Yet, I couldn't fall asleep. And then when I finally did fall asleep, I was constantly waking up. I was waking up incredibly early. And to me, I hadn't at that time made the connection that my sleep was actually um, because of stress and anxiety. And so I went, I went on the medication and um, medication is um, in the long run is, um, the mortality rate of a, of a person actually goes up quite a bit when you take sleeping pills. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's a lot of uh, good research out there. Matthew Walker, um, MD, he's, uh, he's uh, done a lot of research. He's um, a sleep medicine specialist, neurologist. And so it would be, um, what his, his, his book is fantastic. I'm trying to remember, I'm not gonna remember the name of his book, but if you want, I can I can let you know. If you, yeah, you want to post it in the show notes, yeah. yeah. So, um, so for me, that's how my stress and anxiety manifested itself. And the, the challenge was that I went to all the specialists. I went to all the people, both holistic and, you know, in regular medical practice. And no one had any answers for me. Mm. No one could tell me why. I did the sleep clinic. Um, I went to inter internists. I, I, I did everything that I could possibly think of. And ultimately, I was... Um, I felt so badly I couldn't concentrate. My emotions were everywhere, so I, I opted to finally get some sleeping pills, and uh, I was on them for a few years, in fact, uh, until I I started going to school part time because I wanted to become a holistic nutritionist. And I realized in our it was actually in the mental health course that I that I that I took did I realize, and I started to make the connection that oh, like what's going on with me in the evening. Um, is being dramatically affected by how I'm taking care of myself, what I'm eating, my mindset, um, my movement, my overall attitude and belief systems. And so I just set to work on all of those things. It was, it was a lot because I, I was doing it by myself. I, had, I didn't have support of a practitioner. So it took me uh, the better part of a year, but I was, I was finally able to wean off my, my meds. Um, mm -hmm. Say it was about eight, eight to nine months. So, yeah. It was... So what? So what did you just? So what was it that you did then that helped you really get connected and and improve your sleep from there? Because so you started to wean yourself off the actual medication. 
like were there practices, were there steps, like what were the most helpful things that you did to improve your sleep? Um, well, in terms of the medication, firstly, I had to, because uh, it, it's actually classified as an antidepressant that's used for, to help people sleep. Hmm. Uh, it takes a long time to wean yourself off of those kinds mm -hmm. of meds, which is, which is part of the reason why it also took me so long. I had to be, I had to take it very, very slowly. And I was monitored by my physician. So um, anyone out there should never take it upon themselves to stop cold turkey mm. or to move themselves off without making sure that you're being monitored by your physician because that is um, the kind of rebound effect that can happen by um, stopping uh, antidepressants um, can be devastating. Um, so I did that with you know, um, my doctor's knowledge. <clears throat> what I did was um, I, did some I got some blood work done. Uh, I found it, I was hypoglycemic, uh, so my blood sugar was not balanced. So I started uh, taking steps toward making sure I was eating low, low glycemic foods, eating smaller meals during the day. Um, again, as difficult as it was, I was going to bed at a certain time every night. I mean, everything, ev everything was shut down. And I know this is really difficult for us in this, our modern age with technology and everything no phone, no TV. Uh, I didn't even have, um, I don't even think I would play the radio at that point. Uh, lights would dim down. Everything would be off at 9 p.m. That was it. Um, one thing I, I, I did learn also was that um, I was very affected by any ambient light. Hmm. And so I had um, outdoor shutters um, installed on the outside of my house. And so my room is a cave. It is dark. I can't see my hand in front of my face. <laughs> so that's something else that, um, that I did. Um, I think I said waking up, waking up at the same time every day, ensuring that I incorporated that 90 to 120 minutes in terms of deciding when to go to bed, when to wake up so that I wasn't trying to wake in the middle of a cycle because my room was so dark. I didn't have natural light to wake me up naturally. So at that time I needed, um, I needed an alarm to, to wake me, to help me get up in the morning. Mm. Um, just trying to think. And again, when I was, uh, just to go back to the medication for a second, that was uh, very slowly weaned. So very small doses, um, perhaps once a week, it was cut back. And, and there were even times where I would have, I would have, I was, I would be weaning too quickly and I would start to have sleep issues again. I would start to feel um, the effects of trying to wean off too quickly. So um, for some people it can happen a little more quickly. For me, it wasn't because I was trying to fix all of those other things. Um, and actually I took up running again. Mm -hmm. I, I used to be a runner. Uh, I used to sprint a lot. I was running, um, I was training for marathons and things. And that was very meditative for me. Also, so it, it uh, allowed me to get out of my head and all the thoughts that were constantly swirling around it and which also helped contribute to reducing stress, reducing my anxiety. Um, and just taking better care of myself, you know, the boundaries, you know, you and I, we were, we were talking about that before. Um, just really understanding the value and being super protective um, of my time and not overfilling my plate. Mm. value of the word no um and you know, that speaks to us valuing that overworking and taking on so much and being busy and being productive all of the time 
the quiet moments, the times of the day where you recharge and you give yourself that opportunity just to kind of go inward was so valuable. And I never really had that. I never really understood that before. And that also helped with, with my sleep. Those are some of the major, major ones. And the sleep, you know, that general sleep hygiene, um, like I said, everything's off by nine. I'd go up to my room. I, there would, you know, routines were done. I wasn't taking phone calls and I let people know what I was trying to achieve as well. That's really important. I think a lot of people forget that, you know, you, you do have a support system around you. So utilize that, let people know what you're trying to do because um, I think we're often kind of surprised by how supportive people can be when they mm -hmm. know, you know, I, I think we sometimes underestimate that when they know when you're in struggle, those people who love you and care about you the most, they'll jump in that boat with you. They'll say, okay, like I'll help you paddle, you know, when you, when you need it. And so, uh, you know, I let, you know, I let my sister know, listen, I'm, I'm going to bed after nine o'clock. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Don't, don't try and reach me unless there's an emergency and you're trying to bang down my door. I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> I don't want mm -hmm. you to try. And they were, they were so fantastic, you know, even work, you know, um, you know, I um, was working in the family business at that time too. And I, um, I had to um, be honest about what I was trying to achieve. So there were, there were times where I was walking into the office late because everything was just so messed up as I was trying to achieve a better night's rest, right? To have that recuperative sleep. So things are, things are pretty bad. Things are pretty bad there for, for a while. So yeah, utilize that support system as best you can. Don't forget, don't forget that. So when did you start to find that you were out of it though? Like when did the insomnia stop? Like what was that transition so that this is just something that you did rather than something you were working on? Or is it still something you find yourself working on? Is it like, do you think that this like a, I mean, if I tie it into like fitness, like it's like a weight loss journey. Like people yeah. are like, hey, I'm serious about losing weight. And then there becomes a point where they've lost the weight and they have the pattern, they have the habits. But there's also the thing that you do afterwards. So like f for you, was it like testing different things and then seeing like, okay, I like this. I don't like this. This is going to stay. This is going to not stay. Like when did you find that you actually hit that rhythm and things started to normalize with your sleep? It was, it was at that year mark, like, you know, that eight or nine month mark, really, really, because I mean, I was, it was a lot of trial and error and troubleshooting for me. Plus again, because I was on the medication that messed up my, my physiology as well and what was going on. Mm -hmm. So there were other things to consider. Um, so it was around for me, it was around that. Yeah. The better part of the year. <laughs> How did you maintain that discipline for so long? Because that's a, that's a long time to fix something, right? Like, um, I have, I have one client who shoots recently on the podcast, um, name's Desiree and me and her have worked together for a year. And up until now, like the first half, it was fixing her habits. Then it was like focusing on getting her fit. Then it was focusing on like attaching goals that were like weight loss goals. And now she's been crushing her weight loss, but like, it was like, it took like a year of like chopping yeah. at it. To, to get there. So, um, for you, that's, that's kind of the same thing, like a year of diligently working on your sleep. That takes a lot of discipline. How did you, what were some of the mantras or thoughts or things that helped you stay on that path and, and allowed you to actually stay the course when things are tough? 
there were two main main things for me. Um, one was having keeping a journal and tracking the like the emotional journey of what I was going through, and as a as a good reminder of just how bad it once was. And um, that's that's pretty powerful, you know, to read back. And, and I was pretty deep. I was very detailed about what was what was going on. How based, I knew everything from how I was physically feeling physically, emotionally. Um, like I was in my thirties, and my body hurt. Like I did not feel like I was in my thirties. I felt I felt like I was thirty years older than what I was because of the lack of sleep. It was. How much were you sleeping like at your lowest point or like what was, could you describe like, I don't mean to d jump in, but I think that's really like an important piece. Like how much were you sleeping when you were having these bouts of insomnia or like what was it actually like too? Four to five hours if I was lucky. Four hours. Yeah. It was quite bad. So even, and so I, I, I if you had asked me, I would have said I was sleeping three hours. So well, that's why when I got the, the watch, which is the other thing that I had incorporated, um, to keep me disciplined and keep me motivated. Um, yeah, I would have, I would have it, it let me know that if my sleep was four to five hours, which is still horrible, it's horrible anyway. But um, I was, I was not well. I was not feeling well physically, emotionally, um, spiritually, that there was, there wasn't anything good that came out of my not sleeping, that's for sure. Mm. Um, yeah. And so the watch helped you stay disciplined too? Like, but, well, well, how was that tying into your discipline? Just like, was it showing you that you're making progress? Someone's like losing weight or? Yeah, yeah. So, so in that way, it, and this is the, so that's why, so just like a scale, right? Just like a scale can be help, a helpful tool. You don't want to always rely on that number because we know that that number is going to shift when you're, when you look differently, when your clothes are feeling differently, but that number may in fact go up because of the muscle that you're gaining. Like as you know, from a simple, like from a simplified viewpoint, same thing, you know, with, with these devices as wonderful as they are, I think they can be incredibly helpful. Um, but they are still a, a tool and, um, to be able to see at least that I was making some progress and it was better than I, than I thought I was doing, at least from my starting point was, um, was motivating for me. I thought, okay, this is, it's better than I thought I can. I, so I can, I can do this. If I'm here, if I'm already better, if I'm already one or one to two hours better than I thought I was, mm. <laughs> then I really don't have as far to go as I once thought I did. So that was, that was, you know, what was going on in my mind as well. Um, and, it also, and for me, because I, so I had the best of both worlds, you know, I had my, my working on the, the internal stuff with my journal, and then I had the technology, I had the device. So it was an interesting marrying of, of two very different, different modalities in a way. Mm. Um, and so I thought for, for me, it was just a really good marriage of being able to keep myself moving forward and i mean and it was very little like and that's why it took me so long right it was just mm -hmm. I'm, I'm i'm sorry I'm, I'm kind of thinking about how all of that felt to finally at the eight month or nine month mark wake up one morning and realize i actually felt good because that's what happens if there's that tipping point right you're still you're still moving forward ever so slowly 
and I woke up one morning and I remember saying to myself, oh my God, you, you feel, you, you're feeling good. You, you feel better than you have, honestly, in years. Mm. And that was, that was like a spiritual moment. It really, it was a really important shift for me, the, the realization. And that wasn't looking at a watch. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't anything. It was just me finally paying attention to what was, was going on and understanding that it's all been worth it. Even though I had the struggle, even though I had all of that, I, I, I arrived here because I made, I made that conscious decision. It was difficult and, you know, certainly wasn't easy, but it's possible. It is possible for the worst sleepers. And I, and I'll, I was, I'll say, I'll say I, I was probably one of the worst out there. So, yeah. That's so powerful. Um, I'm curious for anyone who's listening, like what should they target as a goal for their optimal sleep? Like what is optimal? Like what, what should most people be trying to get? Like, cause there's so many different factors that people, and I feel like people, it's like weight loss, people obsess about it, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, Oh, well, if I, I remember I was talking to a client and she was, she would, she has a sleeping problem in herself and she was stressed about how much sleep she wasn't going to be able to get based off how many hours she had left. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, it's a real thing. She, yeah. She would start to stress about it and she'd be like, before I was like, okay, so what are you meditating on before like you're going to sleep? She's like, how I'm not going to be able to sleep. And I'm like, well, then what do you think you're bringing into that space? So one of the things is also to have a good, clear and distinct like image of like how much sleep that is. So for you, like when you're working with a client, like how much sleep do you like think is a good place for most people to start getting if they're challenged with sleep or just in general for healthy people? In uh, you know, the, the number that's out there, they say is between seven and nine. And I'm going to, but let's put a pin in that just for a moment, yep. because if you're sleeping seven hours or even sleeping nine hours, but it's not quality sleep, mm. I question <laughs> whether it's between seven and nine hours for some people is, is good or healthy or because too much sleep, because too much sleep is also not good for you. In fact, mm. I don't know a lot of people don't realize that too much sleep is actually unhealthy for you. So yeah. How so? Like, um, again, it's, there's a lot of things that are going on in the brain in terms of your, the immune system, um, in your, in your brain, how, um, how it clears out junk. Um, you're not, you're not moving. Like you, there's less time spent moving. There's less time, you know, utilizing energy. Like there, there are a number of different factors, but mm. it's not little sleep has, it's has its issues, but too much sleep also has its issues. And, um, it's not, it's not uncommon for people who are struggling uh, with mental health issues, um, depression, wanting to sleep a lot. So there, yeah. there, there is something physiologically going on potentially. So uh, that's always something that someone needs to address potentially. So, um, but in terms of the, the seven to nine hours, um, there's a little play that, you know, you have to kind of, there's some trial and error that has to go on there. But one of the first things that I tell people is how much time are you actually spending in bed first and foremost, because ideally you, you want to be falling asleep within 10 to 15 minutes at the most. 
So let's say if you're in bed at nine, you want to, you want to be asleep by 9.15 mm. in this particular scenario. And so if you think about what we were talking about earlier about the 90 minute sleep cycle, it's, it can be actually anywhere from 90 to 120 minutes. And so you have to, having a device kind of helps that too, because you can see the rhythms, but you can figure it out. And you know, if you have someone who understands how all of that works. So is there an ideal number of hours for every individual there is? Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, working on figuring out what that is for me, uh, like between seven, seven and a half is seven, seven and a half. That's my sweet spot. Seven and a half is actually pretty close. It's, oh, that's like heaven for me. Like that's, that's amazing. <laughs> so, but someone might turn around and say, if I get less than eight hours sleep, I'm a mess. I cannot, I cannot function. I cannot, be with my kids. I'm terrible in a relationship. I need to have eight hours sleep. Other, you know, you were just talking, but you're saying that you you feel good when you're up at four fifteen. So, um, I like to really work on playing with the numbers. I, I, I minimally, I like to see someone at, at like seven at seven hours. The, most of the research is is at least seven hours because mm. again, less than that. Um, I was talking to you about the, the, the brain's immune system. Um, it requires a certain amount of hours. It requires a certain amount of time to clear out the junk that builds up during, during the previous day. Um, your REM sleep needs at least six hours so that you have enough REM because your REM actually increases incrementally through each stage throughout the night and six is the is the is the minimum that you want um so that's six is is a little too little yeah i was actually thinking of the, like it's almost like you're you're um walking a thin line like mm -hmm. if that's it's what you're thinking. a little too much on yeah that 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 gray area um seven yeah. is the minimum i would really ideally like to see and it, and it can take some time to get there because you need mm -hmm. to shift behaviors and practices so so i wanted to ask then if someone can't sleep let's say they're someone who's struggling to fall asleep at night they can't seem to hit the, those points or they lay in bed at night awake yeah. what um what factors are playing a role in that and, and what can they do to change them I mean, it could be, again, it depends on the individual, right? A, a lot of times that people are, the majority of uh, my clients, uh, they have a monkey mind. It's, it's their mind races. And it's not uncommon, just like with meditation, when you close your eyes, it seems the mind becomes more active. So it's, it's very, it, the same thing happens. I mean, if, you're, if you have a lot of things going on, people start to multitask as soon as their head hits the pillow. I'm thinking you've had all day, you've been busy all day. What are you doing? You're trying to, you know, you're planning your next day. All, it seems like all these worries come to the surface, all the things that haven't been dealt with, mm. dealt with, like dealt with during the day will catch up to you at night. And that certainly was my situation. And I have generally found that to be the situation with a lot of people. Some of it could be because some of it could be eating late. Some of it can be blood sugar imbalance, but a lot of it is the, is that kind of monkey mind that multitasking at night before going to bed. And so um, in terms of sleep hygiene, that's one of the, 
that's one of the most amazing things that people can do for themselves. And journaling also, the women that I've worked with has said that that was a game changer for them, that brain dump. It's not, not just, you know, um, not just the other, you know, other, um, you know, the mindfulness kind of journaling, but just getting everything out of your head, hmm. putting it down on paper. So you don't have to, that you're giving yourself permission to let it go. You don't have to sit there and worry about taking your kid to soccer practice the next day and getting lunch out and, and um, the traffic on the way to work tomorrow morning or, or, or whatever it is, you know, you can put it all down on a piece of paper and say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to forget these things or I can pick it up. You know, it's going to be here tomorrow morning. I, when I, when the time of day arrives that it's appropriate to be able to, to deal with these things because the fact of the matter is people, people forget that there isn't anything that can be done when you're lying there. It's, it's just, it's meant for rest and recuperation mm. and meditation and the bedroom has been used, has been used for too many different things, I think as well. So that, that can sometimes play a role in there. Um, get rid of the falling asleep, just going to back, back to that. Like if you're, if you're on your laptop, even if it's, even if it's just Facebook, um, you can't, your, your mind is working in a way that people really don't, um, expect like that's going on in the background, not to mention the blue light, obviously. <laughs> so that's something else that will factor in. Um, but journaling has been one of the biggest for, for my clients. Can you dive into that? Because I don't, I don't think that that's actually common knowledge that the, the blue light of, of our laptops and our phones play a role in our brain's activity when it comes to winding down. So I don't know if you could touch upon that. Yeah. So, um, what happens is, um, the blue light that's emitted from all of our, of our technology. I mean, even just our overhead lights, even just light bulbs from the television, from your phone, from your laptop, all of these devices. Um, what the blue light does, it's, communicating to your brain that it's not time to go to sleep. So what happens is melatonin is not released when it's supposed to. It naturally is going to be released as the day progresses. But with all of this artificial light, what's happening is we have trained our bodies to stay up later. Mm -hmm. And so less melatonin is being released at night, which is, you know, our sleep hormone. And so that's going to keep you awake longer. And people um, need to really be aware of that. I, I, I'm asked the question if, you know, the apps to block the blue light from, from technology is okay. And I still say, I still say no. Um, that isn't to say that I haven't, like I have uh, swan wicks, I have glasses. So if I know on occasion, if I, if I do need to work late, just because again, life happens, um, I do, I do all of the other things that I need to do. And I, and I recommend that to other people do all the things that you need to do. That's going to support resting your mind at night. So make sure you still do the journaling. Um, make sure that you can, you know, brain, I, I shouldn't call it, brain, it really is called a brain dump. <laughs> it's allowing, it's just dumping everything on a piece of paper. So you don't have to uh, worry about all of the things that you force yourself to think about when your when your head hits the pillow. Well, one thing that I've done in the past is if I, if I find that like I'm laying, let's say I wake up in the middle of the night. Oh. Um, I can't remember. Uh, there's a quote that's like, it's called divine inspiration. 
like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you have an idea, it's really important to write it down because you're supposed to be awake. And there was actually one time where I was awake and like we had let the candle uh, like lit and I was like, I got up and like checked the house and like, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, the point that I wanted to make is like, if I wake up and I can't shut my brain off, I go and address the thing that's actually keeping me awake rather than lay, because I think that that's the opposite. People like they have these thoughts in their head. They're like, they lay there because they're not getting enough sleep. And then they stress about not getting enough sleep. And they allow all these thoughts to run through their head. Whereas if you just take 20 minutes or 10 minutes and get up and do the thing that's on your mind, yeah. then you're free to actually fall asleep. And that's such an easy thing, but it's, it's counterintuitive because we're supposed to be in bed. Yeah. 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 Because it, it, and you, that was a really good point that you raised because then pe people become more and more anxious about the passing of time mm -hmm. <laughs> and they start, you know, pulling out their phone and seeing, okay, I now, okay, if I fall asleep now, I'm going to have this number of hours. If I fall asleep now, they'll be, and then it just, it's just this horrible cycle, this self-perpetuating cycle that people get themselves on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, address it, put it down on paper and give yourself give yourself permission to let it go. And it takes practice. I, and, and, you know, I must, I, I'm not trying to give the impression that it's, that it's super simple. It, it no, does. It's, yeah. it's, it, it's our default to worry. We unfortunately worry and negative thoughts naturally are a default for, for many, many of us. And we don't even realize that we're so accustomed to speaking these often even unkind words to ourselves mm -hmm. that, um, we don't understand the impact that it's having on our bodies and our, our spirits. And that does translate. I know a lot of people don't, people wonder, well, how does, what does that have to do? Sleep has a lot to do with your sleep. When you think about sleep being such a recuperative and important part of who you are and how you're able to show up in the world, because it affects every, every aspect of who you are. Um, I just, it's just something I'm so passionate about. I just want, I, I want people to really understand that not making a priority is not, it's not helpful to you. And ultimately it's not helpful even to the people that you love. And so I want, I want people to really take a look at why they're not prioritizing it. And for those people who are just struggling and they want to sleep like so badly, there are, there are things that you can do. And it'll take time and that's okay. And, and be good to yourself about it. Speak those kind words to yourself and tell yourself it's okay. It's going to take me time. And it took a while to get there to begin with. So it's going to take a while to undo all of those knots that have been, that you've been tying over and over again in your life. Right. Mm, I love that. I know that we kind of just addressed this, but like, so journaling's a helpful practice. What else, what are like other helpful tips that you would say people can use to unwind? Like, is it like, are there, are there practices that you find are the most helpful, like for those, those different disciplines of unwinding or actually getting into a state where you can rest or what does that look like for most people? Yeah, it can be, it can be very individual. I mean, I know of people who say they don't like reading before going to bed. Others people find it incredibly relaxing. Other people find it stimulating to read, to actually try and read. So um, I thought that was interesting. And, and these are things that you, you come to learn about yourself as you do them. But uh, so some, some behavioral stuff, let's just talk about, I'm going to talk specifically um, about the unwinding. So the evening that, you know, that hour to hour and a half before bedtime. Uh, so 
the lights, the tech, that's going to actually start to signal your brain, just like, just like babies. Babies have, a, have an evening routine. You know, mom, mom or dad will take the baby. You know, there'll be bath time. There'll be story. Mm. Uh, maybe there's me rocking the baby. It's, we're still those same human beings. We need those signals to let the body know that it's time for rest. And so, and because of the kind of worlds that we live in, we have to, we have to um, take an active part in doing all of these things. So the tech, the lights, dimming the lights. Um, for people who don't want to be walking around in the dark, you can get red light bulbs because red, red light bulbs aren't going to have that um, emit, emit the blue light. So um, it's, it's kind of kind of romantic and sexy too, right? If you're having these lights on your house. <laughs> so put it, like, put it in your room if you like, whatever works for you. But um, even a nightlight that has a red bulb instead, huge mm -hmm. difference. Uh, a client of, of mine, she said that that was, it was a huge game changer for her. She, she was very light sensitive, she finally realized as well. And so just having, just switching out the bulb and making it red instead of the white is for her, it was miraculous, right? I mean, it was, it was one of those things, too, but she was doing, there was still that one thing for her. Um, getting your comfortable cozies on, like having proper sleep or having, making, making a ritual of, you know, going up to bed. So you go take the lights out if you have a partner, like it, it's always helpful if you and your partner do um, go to bed together because if someone else is milling about in the house, it can make, it can make it difficult. Mm. If that's a perfect situation, not always possible. Um, make the routine of it. You go upstairs. Having a hot shower or bath um, is always very helpful to help the body unwind because it just releases uh, relieves muscle tension for one. Uh, if you are having a bath, having an Epsom salt bath, so the magnesium that's in the Epsom salt is actually going to be absorbed into the skin, and so that is that is calming. Um, magnesium is often used. Um, helps people with anxiety and stress and muscle tension. So that's naturally going to help the body relax as well. The cooling of your body temperature, because it seems counterintuitive when, you, when you're out of the shower, out of the hot tub, the cooling of your body is mimicking the cooling of your body when you sleep because your, your body naturally cools itself. It self-regulates when it's sleep time. It actually likes to be a little bit cooler at night. Um, it, it plays into how your whole sleep cycle works because if you're too chilly, you're not going to sleep well. And if you're too hot, you're not going to sleep well either. And mm -hmm. so that is going to help trigger, again, your brain to start relaxing, your body to start to, to unwind by initiating that kind of cooling response in your body. Um, some people like to read, other people don't, the journaling. Um, and just having just your regular, you know, that regular routine, brushing your teeth, you know, if you're, um, if you have like a skincare routine, um, all of those are going to trigger that relaxation response in the body. And it's just a wonderful routine to have and just, and just embrace it and enjoy it as a time that's for yourself. It's a part of that self self care. Many people just turn the lights off and, and jump into bed and they wonder, why, why it is that it's taking them an hour to even fall asleep. Mm. We haven't given your body an opportunity to transition. It's a wonderful transition time. And so this is all, all of this is just allowing your body to finally come down. You're going to help those cortisol levels, which is an energizing hormone um, to go down. It's going to encourage the melatonin 
to go up. And so that's what, that's what we want. And all of those things are going to help support that and just your, your physical body as well. Um, stretching is another beautiful, um, just stretch. You don't have to do, you don't have to necessarily do yoga. You don't have to do meditation, just stretching your body, just moving, you know, very slowly. Some people like very quiet music. Um, I actually started listening to a book um, and you can time it so that it'll, it'll turn off like, you know, 15 minutes or half an hour. Um, I didn't like doing it. I found that I, I wanted to listen to it, especially if it was a good book. <laughs> I wanted to stay able to, so that didn't, that does not work for me, but for some people it does. Um, mm -hmm. I enjoy reading, um, like I said. So those are some, those are just, you know, some of the good things, um, the behavioral stuff that is really good. Um, and just to go back to the eating and not eating late, um, can, stimulate you in a way um, because of the whole digestion that's that's happening um, instead of the sleep hormones really being um, emphasized on like I was saying you know your 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 body is going to shuttle energy for the digestion process the digestive process as opposed to um, the sleep hormones so that's something to to consider as well um, and in terms of the unwinding um, shutting things down especially by 10 o'clock because some of the best uh, sleep, um, and I need to do, I also admit I have to do a little bit more research on this. Some of the um, best sleep is um, gained between 10 and midnight. So mm. the sooner that you go to bed, the better before midnight. I heard that um, this weekend yeah. that one of the masterminds of that. So yeah. that, that rings true. Yeah. So it's easy for people, I think, to see sleep as like, yeah, I know it's important. Yeah, I know it's important. Yeah, I know it's important. But it's often neglected in self-care. Like I was talking to a client that just started with me yesterday and she has a sleeping problem. So this is like perfect. And um, she was talking about how oh, I need to wake up in the morning. I need to like get after it and have my morning routine and da, 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 da. And I was like, that's like how you used to be though. Cause now you have to work on your sleep and self-care for you isn't getting up and going for an exercise it's getting up and sleeping and or mm -hmm. not getting up and sleeping, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. actually making your sleep a priority. Yeah. But I wanted to take a step back from the tangible things that people can do and just understand like what role does sleep play in our health, whether that's through weight loss, through cardiac health, like what are the things that we're actually gaining when we're sleeping from like a physiological standpoint that people should be aware of so uh poor sleep quality and you know not prioritizing sleep uh so you know a, um you know with, with the clients that you work with um weight is often an issue um especially um as you're approaching middle middle age like you're getting to your 40s but that doesn't mean that's not going to affect you if you're younger as well mm. um because of your um hunger ghrelin and leptin as you're familiar with. So it's going to mess with those levels. Um, just even one evening of poor quality sleep is going to uh, make the ghrelin go up, which is going to make you feel hungrier and the leptin go down, which is the satiety hormone. And so that's just one, one night of really poor quality sleep. So imagine over time. So weight gain um, is something that's very common. Um, heart disease, uh, risk of heart disease increases, type 2 diabetes, um, adrenal, adrenal issues. So 
there's, it's, it's kind of like, if you have adrenal issues, you're gonna have poor quality sleep. If you have poor quality sleep, you're gonna, you're going to affect your adrenals. And so, um, and that's the way with everything really, right? I mean, you know, it's, it never is just one direction, right? Yeah. The community is always back and forth. Well, it's like I was thinking, like, one of the things that popped in my head is, like, stress is such a huge factor with sleep. But is it is it that you're stressed because you're not sleeping? Or are you not sleeping because you're stressed? And, and oh. like, and like what, what role is that equation? Like, where does that equation start? And, and I think that, that is a challenge for some people very challenging because if you're stressed out and if you're not addressing that then um, and if you're not supporting your adrenals in the way that uh, needs to be then um, so from a physics from a you know, biological like a physiological way in terms of um, you know vitamins and minerals been obtained from your body and having the right type of exercise for you because if you have adrenal insufficiency and you're you're doing hit workouts, guess what? That's, you're doing way more harm than good. Mm. And so then that's going to, again, play out in how well you sleep. So um, it, it, it takes some, again, it's, it's every individual is different. And so it has to be, you have to adjust, you have to look at what's going on in a person's life, what's happening, you know, in terms of the stress. Stress is, is, is something that I work on with clients. It's, it's one of the number one things that has to be addressed. Um, people have to realize that, stress comes in all forms. Um, it's in, there's environmental stress, you know, there's pollution, you know, hygiene products, like other toxins, um, spiritual and, you know, emotional, physical, um, psychological stress. Like these are all, this is all under the umbrella of stress that people um, need to realize are going to affect your sleep in one way. Or another there's there's you know there's an accrued effect that all of these things do have on the body so um you know mycotoxins um you know um sorry i know we're kind of getting a little bit off track here i don't mean to go off right, sure. um you know mycotoxins uh you know things like spores like molds and things that are are in the home that can actually affect your sleep cycle because of how your body is is reacting to it people don't don't realize it and these are this is if all the, the behavioral stuff doesn't work right we're talking about the unwinding and going to bed at a certain time waking up at a certain time there are there are people who will be um, affected by other factors that may have to be addressed and that's addressed through testing etc but um yeah i think i'm trying to think we, we address stress um heart disease blood pressure another mm. blood pressure is another one that's important um and well, uh, mental health well in a, your immune system's task too because if you're not sleeping then your immune system's gonna be really shot when it comes to time to taking care of you. I think it's, what you have to see is that sleep is, is the way that we recover from everything. And so whatever problems you're having or whatever problems you may be predisposed to, if you're not sleeping, then you're going to gain weight most likely because you're going to be fatigued. It means you're going to make less cognitive decisions throughout the day. And that's going to affect your mood, which means you're going to be more stressed, which is also going to lead to right. taxing your car, your cardiac health and taxing your adrenal systems, which, and so all these things stack up and it's not, 
it doesn't mean that you have to go and get nine to 10 hours of sleep or you'll be on that drastic end, but you have to prioritize it as a form of self-care. I think it's the most important piece. Yeah, for sure. Sleep is the only time that you're shutting, that your body is able to, I'm going to, I shutting down. It's, it's not, because there's, there's a lot of things that are going on during sleep, but it's our body's way. And there, and there's still not so much mystery around sleep. Really. There is still some, so much to learn. It's the only time of day that you are resting. It's the only time in the, in a 24 hour day that you're giving your body an opportunity to like recuperate from all that stuff that's been going on during the day and all the stuff that's been going on for weeks or months or, you know, depending on you know, who, whose life we're talking about, you need it so badly, so, so badly. Um, and it, and it catches up. There is no outrunning it. Eventually it's going to catch up to you one way or the other. The other, the other thing is, is, um, dementia, um, in terms of long-term dementia and uh, Alzheimer's, there's a lot, there's a link to the amyloid plaques build up. Uh, if you're not getting enough sleep, um, there's an, there's an increased risk of dementia and Alzheimer's because of that plaque build up. When I was talking about the, the brain's immune system, that's gunk that is accumulated during the day is cleared out at night. And so, amyloid plaque is built up a lot more um, when you don't have enough sleep. Mm. And so one of the last questions I want to have for you in this, in the actual topic before we dive into a little more things about Tina is <laughs> how do people actually start to set boundaries for themselves when it comes to making this or quite frankly, anything else in their, their life and in their self-care journey a priority? Honestly, it's really hard for people to set boundaries. It's very difficult if you, um, first of all, if you come from a family that has a belief system that self-sacrifice is sort of the mantra, because that's what a lot of people live by. Um, the setting boundaries and saying no to, to things, which was um, one of my issues as well. Um, it, it's really tough for people. So finding a community, finding support, from people to help you help hold you accountable because it, it can be very tough to hold yourself accountable. You really do need, you need a tribe, you need a community who has your back. Um, you'll know pretty quickly. <laughs> you'll know very quickly who is in the boat with you and who is not in the boat with you. Uh, they, because there ultimately there will be people who uh, will not support your, your new decisions to set those boundaries and unfortunately those people you need to you need to be okay with letting letting those people go realizing that maybe they're not they're not going to be um, playing a, a playing a role in your life that you would like to especially if you if you're really committed to your wellness right i mean I, I, i'm sure you've had clients that find it difficult to let things let things go um whether it's work whether it's you know commitments, et cetera, and make the time for themselves. It's, it's tough for a lot of people. So having a tribe, having, having a community of people, that's one of the, that's one of the biggest ways to help you set boundaries. Um, really that, that is my answer. Like really having, having people just, just be there for you and support you and you, people you can turn to, to say, I, I don't know how, I don't know how to, do this. I don't know how to say no to my kids, to my spouse, 
to my boss, right? These are significant people in your, in your life. So it's going to be difficult for some of those people. I think it also takes vulnerability. Um, you have to be, it was one thing that came up to me, like, as you're saying that, because I think that let's say for instance, uh, you're looking at it as a form of like weight loss or like even like getting your sleep in order. Like I, I think that, I think that people don't give sleep the, the amount of respect it deserves because mm -hmm. it, it, it's so easy to neglect it. Like, okay, well, I'll sleep on the weekend or whatever. Yeah. But I'll tie it all together through just whatever form of self-care or self-improvement that you're going through. It takes a level of vulnerability to be honest with the people around you about how much it matters to you. Because so many people will be like, oh, well, I'm trying this new thing. And they've tried a hundred new things or they've done all these different attempts that never fell through. And so the people around them don't understand how important it is to them because they're not vulnerable enough to be like, Hey, this is something I'm really challenged with. This is something I'm really struggling with and I really need your support. And I know it might seem silly, might seem stupid. I get it, but just please just give me, give me some, some support right here. And I think that those conversations from a vulnerable place, um, I know Lindsay and I have had lots of those conversations of like, Hey, awesome. like, like as, as, as a couple, like I am not doing well right now and I really need your help, but, yeah. but that's like my support system. Yeah. I think that you have to have that conversation because you can't expect people to actually understand how important it is to you. And they, they don't know. And if they, if then at that point, if they still choose to not support you, then it's clear like, okay, well, that's someone I should cut out. Um, and there's nothing wrong with limiting your time with people or protecting your space. But I, that was one thing that shined through to me too, that I wanted to bring up too. No, that is such a good point. It's so true because that is ultimately what you're doing. You are, you are admitting struggle, right? You're admitting that you're having a difficult time. You're admitting challenge and that you're being challenged. And so that's, that's, that's difficult for a lot of us. And be, yeah, you're right. Being vulnerable to those people who, who have relied on you or who have uh, perhaps seen you in, in the kind of light that you can do it all, you can be all, because that's often what we do, right? And, and um, if that's what we're putting out there in the world, well, how else are people going to see or perceive you, right? And so to suddenly allow that, also, you know, I'll say that mask to drop and say, you know what, I'm... I can't do this by myself. I really, I'm really struggling with it. I'm really challenged. I need, I need this and I need, I need your help. It's so true. It is so, so true. Yeah. So I wanted to step back and I wanted to dive into a couple more questions about you, Tina, because first of all, I think this is a home run podcast. Um, oh. It's really exciting. Like I, I, I think that you have so much, to tangibly offer people and you're such a kind heart that I hope that as, as people are tuning into this and they're listening, that they can see that too. And they hear that and that this resonates and helps them. But I wanted to start off by asking what is your superpower and what is your kryptonite? I feel that my superpower actually is empathy. Mm. I'm, um, I believe it's when I, when I look back, I believe it was always there. 
uh, I just didn't know what it was at that time. I mean, we didn't start talking about empathy and vulnerability and all of these things until the very recent past, right? And so uh, empathy, I would say, is, is actually my superpower. I really have, um, I, I think, I, I feel I have a good ability to take on another person's perspective without making it my own though, without um, taking it, that, and that took practice because I didn't, I didn't have that part of it before. I kind of took on another person's emotions as my own. That's not what being empathetic is truly about, right? Being empathetic is, you know, understanding the perspective and sharing and, and, being, and being vulnerable about what's happened to you and being able to share in that with them. So that's, I think, my superpower, yeah. Mm. Um, kryptonite? <laughs> my kryptonite is probably not gonna be the answer that you think it's, because um, <laughs> it's food related. That's all right. <laughs> Miss Vicky's jalapeno chips. Oh, I love it. <laughs> my kryptonite. Right. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I always say uh, buffalo chicken calzones and cotton candy ice cream are mine. Ooh, so, good ones. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of in the ones. same place. We went, we went to New Hampshire um, for the 4th of July. Um, yeah. And uh, I stopped, we stopped this like little place. It was like in this little shack and it had ice cream. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I wonder if they have cotton candy ice cream. Because if somewhere has cotton candy ice cream, I usually just get it because it's yeah. such a rarity. Yeah, I can't yeah. find it anywhere. Yeah. And they did, and I was like, oh, I'll get the small, thinking, like, that's rational. And it's, like, four heaping scoops. So I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I I signed up for this, so. I got to eat it now. <laughs> yeah, so you're allowed to have your chips as your kryptonite, nonetheless. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are those, like, a Canadian thing, or? Miss Vicky's? Yeah, I've never seen I don't think I've seen them in the States. Uh, I was just going to say, I was going to I was just I was just mentally going through my cap and I don't have any with me. <laughs> so oh, okay. Um, really? Maybe. Miss I don't know. I just maybe. assumed that maybe you guys had them there, but maybe, maybe I'm just not. Um, I'm not. Uh, they probably have them here. It sounds familiar. They may, I mean, they may, I don't know. I've never looked for them, so. <laughs> I'll okay. check them out. You have to check them out. So, if you could relive one day in your life, what day would you pick? Oh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. one. I mean, one day? That's that's hard. Um, I will pick one of the days because there, there are a number of them. I would say the day that um, my niece Layla was born. Mm. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm feeling. <laughs> Um, I'm also her godmother, and mm -hmm. so um, so she was the first. I have I have uh, three sisters. I'm the oldest, and um, she was the first, like the first niece, the first grandchild, the first you know the very first. And I was I was super excited about her arriving, and that day was, oh, it just has my heart forever. Can I, and can I tell you one other day? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and actually the, my other niece, <laughs> when she was born, um, because Layla, my, my first niece that was born, she actually saying at that time she would have been going on four years old. She's saying happy birthday. Hmm. She was there. I, I, I have it on video. And so Layla was holding my newborn, my other newborn niece, Shelby, and she's saying happy birthday to her. 
And that just, oh my gosh, if there's anything that's going to make you melt, that'll be it. That was, so those are the first, I would go back over and over again. That would be like my groundhog day. I would do it like over and over and over again those two days for sure. Yeah. Love that. Love that. What's one book that's changed your life? Uh, I mean, there are several. Uh, So, but what brought me down this path and so this has been a pretty significant shift in my life, uh, has been uh, Dr. Detis Karazian's um, Why uh, Isn't My Brain Working? Mm. Why Does My Brain Work? And it, um, it was during a time when I was having my sleep issues and having the anxiety and feeling the depression as well. It was, it was very eye-opening, really having an understanding, um, a more in-depth understanding of what was going on with me because I was also utilizing that um, while I was during my healing journey, my sleep healing journey. That was, that was huge for me. Love that. Yeah. I'll have to put that in the show notes too. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give yourself 20 years from now? what would I say to my 60 some odd year old self? Yeah. I don't know that I would just give one piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say is that I don't know this is going to come out right, but I, I would love to just to say, like, I really hope that the last 20 years of your life have been fulfilling with the people that are in your, that's in your life, um, your, the experiences that you've had. Um, I hope that the 45 year old me <laughs> helped you get to where you are right now mm. because it's not going to be, you know, what we, what we, what we have inside of us is not going to be achieved by, the material things it's all the experiences with people and ourselves and with animals and nature and i think i would like to just i would hope to say to my myself then is that i hope i i did that for you i hope i gave you a wonderful life to look back on hmm. that's what I'm saying. yeah love that that's a good one <laughs> and so before I ask my last question, where can people learn more about you? Where can they find you? And what are some projects you're working on right now? So uh, I do have a website, which I am working on. So um, it is tinacufaro.com. And I am on Instagram. You would just, uh, it's just at Tina Kufaro, T-I-N-A-C-U-F-A-R-O. So you can look me up there on Instagram. I'm more active on Instagram than um, on Facebook. So if you really want to kind of get a glimpse in who I am and of who I am and my humor <laughs> and my everyday life, as well as, uh, you know, sleep and, and things like that, because currently I have the summertime sleep series that's going on. So mm-hmm. I'm sharing important information, uh, everything from behavioral um, tips to, supplements to nutrition uh, everything sleep related for for the summer until the end of august so i'd love people just to come along that'd be awesome i love it i love to and i love to hear from people so message me too i love 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 that and uh on facebook as well same it's just under uh tina Gufaro. it's very super super easy to find me yeah 
Love it. Love it. And so my last question is, what's your one rule for life? What's my story? One rule for life. My one rule? Um, gain experiences, not things. Hmm. That's something that I, I, I learned, again, over the last five to 10 years. I was a thing collector at one point. <laughs> Quite frankly, I thought that um, material, material things were what, was what would make me happy. And quickly learned that wasn't the case. That's yeah. all right. That's a good lesson to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so thank you so much, Tina. This has been amazing. This has been lovely. You are such a kind heart and have an amazing spirit. And I am so grateful that we were able to make this podcast happen. Um, even if we had some visitors in the background. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. And I just want to thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much. I, it was so nice to be here. I really appreciate it. It was nice to see you know, the conversation and, um, you know, since you know, I had the pleasure of meeting you. Uh, when was that now? What is it, a year ago now? Would it be coming on to a year? Yeah, close, yeah, close to a year ago. Yeah, we yep. met at um, a business event for right. the Rising Stars Mastermind. Myself. That's right. So you know, it's so nice to meet you, and Lindsay, and uh, I just really appreciated you reaching out. So it's lovely. I've had a lovely, lovely time chatting with you. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And so, as you guys are tuning in, just remember. If you love this podcast, leave us a review, check us out on iTunes and make sure you follow Tina on Instagram. But more than anything, thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. And just remember that the journey starts with you. Take care, guys. Thank you for tuning in today to My Journey. I hope this episode brought some value and light into your life. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and shout us out on your Instagram stories so we can share this message with as many people as possible. And if you're ready to start your own journey, reach out to me at brianpickwist.com forward slash start. And until next time, thank you again. And remember, the journey starts with you. I'll see you guys.